When is the last time you learned something that puzzled you? Where you stared at it and you thought, I can't explain that. I read something about Google this week that had that reaction in me, and I want to share it with you, and maybe it will create the same reaction to you. Here's what I found out about Google. On a daily basis, 15% of searches have never been seen before by Google's search engine, and that has continued for 15-plus years. Now, if you consider the trillions of searches that Google gets every year, then consider that each and every day, 15% of those are people typing something that has never been typed into Google before. I find that remarkable. And I see it as a bit of a challenge. Like, I want to be the guy that writes something to Google that Google goes, wow, well done. I have never thought of that. Let me search for it. You know, I, I, Jeremy, it was just brilliant. I, I just don't know. I want to be that guy. You should get like a little award if you search something and they go, bing, well done. You're the 15%. Like, no one has ever asked that. And I literally stared at it this week and I'm going, how on earth is that possible? What are these people typing that has never been typed before in the history of Google? I just, I don't know, I find that amazing. Uh, and it's one of those, I really probably spent too much time trying to think about how, what was this possible and what's going on? And I, I like that feeling. I like realizing there's something I don't know and trying to figure it out. And yet you know, I acknowledge that not everybody likes that feeling. Some of us, we try to avoid that feeling at all costs. And so uh, we often find ourselves hanging out with people who agree with us and who encourage our opinions and who make us feel like, of course, the way we see the world is the way everyone should see the world. And we can get very used to that feeling. And even this week, I was reminded of the benefits of getting outside of that. I had a chance uh, one of the mornings this week to spend some time with a prominent Catholic bishop in the Portland area. And just getting a chance to hear his story and, and, and his, you know, his understanding of God and the ministry. And, and we were just swapping you know, stories of, well, this is the way our tradition does it. It's the way your tradition does it. And it was a fascinating conversation to learn from him. And, and just to go, oh, that's interesting. I had not thought of it that way. It's just a reminder to me of, of, of the benefits of going, you know what, I don't necessarily understand that or intuitively uh, grasp it, but if I would just look a little bit longer and I would try it, uh, I'd be amazed at what I might learn and what God might teach me through that. Well, is what we're going to look at today. And so I want to welcome you to Abundant Life Church. We are so glad that you're here and, uh, and just so glad that you're a part of this with us. Today we begin a series on Christmas. And I love this whole month of, of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, the, the great story of God becoming one of us. And we're going to look at this story each week. We're going to look at a different person in this story. And so today we're going to look at the story of Mary and, and see it from her point of view. And each week we'll pick someone else. And I want you to encourage you to, that as you explore this story with us, that you would find yourself in this story. This is a real story of real people and at a real point in history. And, and that you can go, oh, I, I see how God might meet me in that same story today. And that would be the goal of this series. Well, if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to get those out. We're going to be in the New Testament in the book of Luke chapter 1. So you've got a physical Bible with you. Uh, go ahead and open that up to the New Testament. Get your spot there in Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible app. Uh, on a device or on your phone, I encourage you to get that out, scroll to that, and just have your spot ready there. I encourage you each and every week, bring your Bible, bring some form of the Bible so that you can read along with us and you can see this for yourself. Uh, don't just take my word on it. We want you to explore the scriptures with us, and so I encourage you to get your Bible and have it out and have it ready to do that with us. Uh, also, if you have a program, go ahead and get your program out. 
And you can see a spot there, a page to take notes and discourage you. Whatever you sense God's saying to you today and whatever jumps out to you, that you would write it down and you would explore it further uh, in your time. And so we're going to look at this story today of, uh, of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're going to look at Mary finding herself in the midst of an experience she cannot explain. And we're going to see how she handles it and, and what she can teach us today. So this is Luke chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What an amazing opening line from an angel to you, right? Can you imagine an angel saying, greetings, you who are highly favored. Favored. Notice Mary's reaction, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, let me give you a little bit of setup so you understand this story as we're about to unpack it. Uh, first, I get to understand Mary is currently betrothed to Joseph, uh, another guy in the story. And, and we hear that when we go, oh, like they're engaged. Um, kind of, but not really. Because for us in our culture, if you're engaged and you decide, you know what, I don't want to marry this person. Uh, all you do is you cancel the invites, you send the gifts back, you're fine, you know, no, no big deal. You couldn't do that in this culture. If you're betrothed to someone, uh, not even married to them yet, but if you're betrothed and you wanted to cancel it, you literally had to get a divorce. Uh, you had to break that commitment. And so it's a much bigger deal than we often think of. But you have to understand that detail for the rest of of Mary's situation to fully make sense, for, for you to understand it. And so Mary's reaction might be a little bit confusing to you when you go, why is Mary afraid? Uh, I think part of it is she's wondering, why am I so highly favored? Now, we often think of Mary today and go, Mary was just superhuman uh, amongst us. And no, Mary is just an ordinary girl living in poverty. And, and she's living in obscurity. So this angel comes to her and she's going, why me? What's so special about me? Why are you saying I am favored? It's, it's catching her off guard. I also think it has something to do with who is telling her this news. She's hearing it from an angel. Now, when, when you study angels, there's lots of uh, funny ideas that people have about angels and, and a lot of misunderstandings about the, the nature of angels. And the Bible speaks to it, but there's, there's not like a, a very clear uh, description throughout Scripture. So you kind of got to put some pieces together to figure out what's going on with angels. Here's something to, to note. Uh, you will never become an angel. So I uh, hate to break it to you if that's what your hope was at some point. Uh, that's not how it works. God created angels and God created Humans, they are not the same thing. One does not become the other. And, and so you have angels who are created for certain purposes, for, for serving God in different ways. And, and whenever you see an angel talk to someone uh, in, in the scriptures, they usually freak the person out. They're, they hit the ground. They're covering themselves. I think they're about to die. It's usually an intimidating deal. Uh, but this is not just any angel who's in this story. This is the angel Gabriel. Now, the reason why this is significant is because there are different tiers of angels, different roles that they play. The highest level angel that we find in Scripture is what's called an, called an archangel. That's the, 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 the top level, the top role. Uh, Gabriel is an archangel. There are only three of them, and all three of them are named throughout Scripture. So Gabriel's one, and there's another one named Michael, uh, who you may have heard of. And the third one is a guy by the name of Lucifer. Now, you may know Lucifer changed his name. He now goes by 
Satan or the devil or whatever, the accuser. Um, But he was originally not created that way. And so he was created uh, for a role in heaven with with God, and and he decided he didn't want to play that role anymore. Each of these three has uh, a particular role. So Satan is no longer working for God, so he's, he's out of his role. He's not doing it anymore. Michael's the one that God usually sends uh, for a confrontation. When there's something that, hey, we got to go deal with a problem, Michael's usually the one that gets sent. And Gabriel's the one who's often sent to go speak something on behalf of God. And, and elsewhere, Gabriel even says, I am the one who stands in the presence of God. That's kind of the way he describes his job, which is truly incredible. Now, it's helpful to understand, we often uh, attribute Satan the, these huge qualities. And so a lot of Christians think, oh, you have God, and then you have like the bad version of God, which is Satan. He's like God's evil rival. That's not really true remotely, because Satan was created by God. He's not an equal to God. And if you want to understand, hey, how significant of a created being is Satan, he's equal to Gabriel or Michael. These are the three archangels that God made. And when Scripture tells us that God threw uh, Lucifer out of heaven, God himself didn't do it. He had Michael throw Lucifer out of heaven. And so again, it's just interesting you understand the role of these three angels. One of them happens to be standing before Mary. Now, I don't know what it would look like to have a regular angel stand before you. That would probably be intimidating enough. But now you imagine an archangel of which there are three standing in front of you and giving you this news. And yeah, I love it because God's probably like, hey, we need to go talk to Mary. Uh, Don't send the new guy. Send Gabriel. Like, hey, we can't screw this one up. Make sure Gabriel goes. I need this to, to be done well. And so Gabriel himself goes and delivers this message. And you can imagine Mary going, who on earth am I talking to? Who on earth is talking to me now? And here's what Gabriel says, verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. No, you didn't, you didn't read the wrong verse. He's already said that. He's saying it again. Why is he saying it again? Because Mary looks terrified. And so Mary is cowering in fear. And so Gabriel again says to her, Mary, you don't need to be afraid. You have found favor with God. Verse 31, he says this, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So Gabriel tells Mary, Mary, don't be afraid. And then everything he says after that would make her afraid. You know, every single thing he says next would be like, uh, you just told me not to be afraid, but these are all fear-inducing things. Okay, so imagine if you're Mary. Let me wrap my mind around this. I'm going to conceive outside of marriage. Okay, in most cultures, that's not a, a, a real easy situation to be in. And so she's going, okay, I'm going to conceive outside of marriage. What about Joseph? Like, what is this going to do to him? And how am I supposed to tell him about this? But most of all, notice what she's just told by Gabriel. Like, you're going to raise a king. Now, depending on how you view this, you might think, oh, that's amazing. I wish God would tell me that one of my children are going to be king. That would be awesome. Stop for a moment, just consider this. Have you ever read anything about the Roman Empire? I don't know, in particular, like the power struggles of the Roman Empire. That's who's running Israel-Palestine area at this point in history. So they're living under Roman 
rule. And if you ever read about Roman rule, it was a bit cutthroat at the top level, and especially in the transition of power from one king or emperor to another. I looked it up this week. They estimate there's about 89 different emperors throughout the Roman Empire if you put them all together. Of the 89 emperors, only 33 of them die of natural causes. That's a really bad ratio if you're looking for a long and successful life. Uh, so the majority of about two-thirds of these guys die prematurely because of the nature of being emperor of Rome. It is a hazardous job for your health if you want to live long. So Mary is, is within that culture and finds out this, this woman who lives in obscurity and poverty, hey, your son is going to be like the king, like the king of all kings. And she's probably thinking, oh, no. He's going to be like rivaling like Caesar. He, he's going to have to take Caesar off his throne. I mean, imagine to a mother hearing this, going, this is going to be my son who's going to now be in this power level. Now, if you've ever read about the, the, the assassinations and all that of the Roman Empire, they didn't normally just kill the person. They'd kill their family, too, because you had to be clear that no one else would you know, try to avenge their death. So you, you got to be wondering what's going through Mary's mind going. Now all of us are going to go from obscurity into the center of the Roman power struggle because I'm evidently raising a king with, with an unbelievable legacy that he's going to have in his rule. And she's trying to wrap her mind around that. Now that's just on Rome's end. There's also a local king, a guy named King Herod, who's a maniac. And she's probably already thinking about him as well. We're going to talk about Herod in two weeks because that's a fascinating person to look at uh, through his point of view of this Christmas story. So in all of this, she's thinking, okay, so I'm going to raise the king in one of the most volatile power structure empires uh, the world's ever seen, and you don't want me to be afraid about it. Um, there's, that's a lot to be afraid of. And, and I can only imagine Mary going, how do I make sense out of this? What's going to happen here? You ever have God give you something and, and put something on your heart that you couldn't explain and your reaction was just fear? Going, God, if, if I do that, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. I've shared before, but this year in my life has been uh, a year filled with those kind of moments for me. And just one in particular I've shared before, but, but just sensing God telling me, hey, you're in Arizona, announce to everyone that you're leaving and uh, even though you have no idea where you're gonna go. Okay, that's, that's a bit of a fearful situation for me to be in. You want me to just to, to put myself out there and I have no idea where I'm going. And yet, uh, this is kind of the nature of following God. Sometimes it involves fear. Here's one of the things that I've learned. Fear is the natural result of something we can't control. Now, we, we tend to create fear as this big, huge thing, but let's demystify it for a moment. Fear really comes from that situation in which you cannot control what's going on. Therefore, you are heading into an unknown future. And this is what creates fear. We are far more afraid of the situation than we are of the outcome. And, and this is true, this formula is true of a scary movie that you watch. It's also true of things that you might not think are real, all that scary. Uh, for example, I, I love watching the New York Yankees. Uh, if I'm watching a Yankee game, I can have a similar emotion as to all the emotions of fear because I'm watching something, I cannot control the outcome, I don't know what the future's gonna hold. And so I can get emotionally wrapped up in that. 
Or, for example, any of you watch the uh, state championship game? Clackamas? Anybody? Okay. Anybody have fear watching that game for like the whole game until the end? It's the same thing. You can't control it. You don't know the future. You don't know the outcome. And so it elicits all those emotions in you as you watch it. But here's the difference. Go home after church today and watch the video of it. And tell me, does it create the same emotion in you? No. What's different? You know the outcome. The situation is different now. You're not in that anymore. That's what fear does. Is it, it creates this, this whole thing that we, we tend to go, oh, I can't do this or this because this is what I feel. And yet when you begin to unpack it and go, oh, why are we so afraid of that? What is it that, that we give so much credibility to our fears? And yet, have you ever tried to work past the fear? You ever tried to work, you, you know, like, hey, this is all this is and I'm just gonna move beyond it. And sometimes that can be so difficult to do. And it's especially difficult if you are afraid of something that I'm not afraid of. I can look at you and go, well, just get over it. And vice versa. You might look at me and go, why are you afraid of that? And, and yet when you try to address it, you go, I'm not going to live by this. I'm going to move past it. It can be harder than it looks. I came across a video this week of a guy trying to enjoy a moment and not let his fear of heights get in the way. But as you can imagine, it's a little bit easier said than done. Check this out. 87 meters above, <laughs> above the Atlantic Ocean on Inishmore Island. <laughs> he made it across on the ferry. <laughs> Motion sickness and for his final test. No, I can't look. <laughs> yeah, you can. You got this. Oh, I'm afraid. It's okay. If you go up, it can go right over the side. You gotta hold it for five. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you gotta hold it for five seconds. Oh. <laughs> of uninterrupted eye contact with the Atlantic Ocean. Honey, get that chin up there. <laughs> okay. Ah. It's okay. I wait. Stay. I'm gonna take a big breath. See, we, we can know, hey, there's nothing to this, and yet it's that setup, that, that situation we find ourselves in that can be so fearful. Now, here, here's an ironic point I'd like to make that may, that may surprise some of you. Here's what I would suggest. If you want to follow Jesus, you should constantly be afraid of him. If you want to follow Jesus, you should constantly be in fear of what he wants you to do. Not because he's going to harm you or because he's not trustworthy, but because he is going to put you in situations you cannot control. And you will be in a situation of a future you cannot anticipate. You will not know. And he's going to say, trust me. And if you're honest, that is the recipe for fear. That is what creates the sense of fear. As we go, I can't control it. I don't know what's going to happen. And God's going, Trust me. And that's what Mary is in the midst of. And here's what we see from her. That living beyond fear is the supernatural result of trusting the one in control. See, here's how we tend to do this. I will stop being fearful when I can control this situation that I can't currently control. So we spend all of our time, all of our focus, all of our prayers even, can be about God give me the control. 
give me the sense that I am in, in control, and then I won't be afraid. Then I'll move forward. Mary never gets control of this situation. You will likely never get control of the situation that God has put before you that scares you. But instead, what you can do is choose to trust the one who is in control, to trust that he is good and that he is worth following and that he is worth putting your trust in. And so you commit to go, I can't control it. I don't know where this is going, but God, if you're in it, I'm on board. And that is a totally different way to move forward in the midst of fear. And this is what Mary is doing in the story. She's learning how to go, okay, I can't control it, um, but, but God's gonna be in control and so I'll trust him. But as Mary works through this, she immediately goes to a very logical question because she's working her way through going, okay, so you're gonna do this, this, uh, got it. And then she asks a question, which I would suggest is the pertinent question at this point in the conversation. Notice verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Now, we can get overly spiritual with it. Let's just get really logical. This is the most important question at this point in their conversation. Mary's going, hey, Gabriel, cool, cool, cool. Uh, glad that you came down from heaven. Uh, here's the deal. I don't know if you and God know how biology works, um, but this can't happen uh, because there's certain things that have to happen first, and that hasn't happened. So how is this all going to work? Now, notice, she's, I don't think she's saying sarcastically. She legitimately is going, this idea sounds crazy. I, don't, I have no way of explaining it. Uh, Gabriel, how would this work? How would this even happen as you're describing it? Verse 35, Gabriel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Oh, I thought I was just raising a king. It's, it's, it's not just a king. You're telling me I'm going to raise God? I'm going to have God as a baby? You can just imagine her trying to wrap her mind around this. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Now this is the point in the story where if you're a skeptic or if you're on the fence with Jesus and the whole Christianity thing, you opt out. And you go, yeah, virgin birth, that's adorable. Uh, good luck with that one. That, 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 that's crazy. Now, here's the deal. If, if that's you today, I get it. And I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're here wrestling through this with us. Um, I understand that. You know why I understand that, that concern, that, that uh, issue a lot of people have with this story? It's because it's never happened before. It's never happened since. There is nothing to compare this story to. A lot of people go, oh, aren't there other, you know, Jewish parallels? There are no Jewish parallels. There are no Greek parallels to this, which a lot of people think that there are. In the Greek mythology, people go, oh, they, this was just a, a, an update of some Greek mythology. No. In Greek mythology, you have stories where a god will come down and, and sleep with a human and make a baby that way. That's not what this story is. See, this is not just a virgin is conceiving, but a virgin is giving birth. It's a totally different message. This is a uniquely Christian doctrine, which is why when Mary's going, okay, explain this to me, she's understanding nothing like this has ever happened before. And truthfully, nothing has happened since. And that's why a lot of people go, this one's hard to wrap my mind around. And, and here's the deal. I believe in the virgin birth. I also understand why this is so hard for so many people to wrap their minds around because it is so unique. It is unique to this story. To this God. No other story is like this. 
But you see the, the, the precedent for it in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This is the Old Testament. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God has been setting this story up. And then Mary learns, oh, I'm going to be that virgin that carries the story out. And she begins to understand this. And so this week as I've been preparing this message and thinking about Mary's story, I keep thinking about the, the Christmas song, Mary Did You Know. Now, I, I've already told you, I love Christmas songs. I love this song, okay? And here's what I know, too. If you don't like Chris, Christmas music, you probably really don't like Mary Did You Know. Uh, it's one of those songs, you either love it or hate it. But I've just kept thinking about this song this week. And there's some lyrics in the song that are so amazing. I'll share just a couple with you that I think are so good. This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Woo! That is good stuff. Mary, did you know that? I mean, it's amazing. Or this one, Mary, did you know that when you kiss your little baby, you have kissed the face of God? I mean, guys, this is good stuff. But here's the deal. Spoiler alert, in case you've never been able to make it through the whole song. Mary knew it's not a riddle, okay? Every year we ask this question, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? Mary, she's like, yes, I know. It was in the story you just read about. <laughs> if you keep reading, she even sings a song about it. I mean, guys, she knew. Mary knew. And yet, what I love about this song is you've got to wonder, how much did you know? And, and how much could you even wrap your mind around a story like this of God becoming one of us, but not just like a, an adult version of one of us, God becoming a baby. I mean, this is a crazy story. And what you realize is that Mary would not have known the consequences of her willingness to go along with this plan. So she knows, okay, God, you're doing something. This baby's gonna be God. It's gonna be king of all kings, I get it. I'm going to be, you know, the only virgin ever to give birth. I get it, okay. But what happens as a result of this? She doesn't know the consequences. This is important to understand because when God asks you to do something, you will never know the consequences up front. And it's so often that is what keeps us from following God. Well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And God goes, no, 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 don't worry about that. I love the way that Dr. Charles Stanley says it. It says, obey God and leave the consequences to him. It's so simple, and, and maybe this is overly simplistic, but I also love it for that same reason of like, that's really all you have to do. Obey God, whatever God asks you to do, just do that, and leave the consequences to him. You don't have to get everything else figured out. So what do you do when God comes to you and says, I want to do something in your midst that you can't explain? And truthfully, it's going it's to create a little bit of fear in you. What do you do with news like that? Let me show you what Mary did. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, you get Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, we read this, and if you've read the story before, you're like, well, yeah, of course. That's Mary's direction, of course. I would suggest to you that this is what makes Mary so remarkable. Well, what, what's so special about Mary? This response is incredible. 
Mary hears all of this stuff to be afraid of, all of this stuff that she can't explain, and, and, and there's not even a prayer she can explain it. And she goes, you know what? I'm the Lord's servant. I'll obey. May your word to me be fulfilled. God, what you want to happen, I want it to come true because of my life. That's an incredible declaration back to God. And yet, she has no idea the consequences. Now she's realizing, I'm not married to Joseph yet, and I'm going to have to go tell him that I'm pregnant. Imagine that. Imagine being a female, going to tell the person you're engaged to, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant and it's not your child, and you know it's not your child, but you need to believe me that I had no funny business going on. It's from God. It's never happened before. It'll never happen again, but trust me, Joseph. You can trust me. I mean, imagine that. Next week, we're going to look at the story from Joseph's point of view, and we'll see him wrestle through the same thing going, I'm supposed to trust you on that? I'm supposed to believe that? Mary has no idea how that's going to play out. Mary has no idea in the Jewish community what's going to happen to her. Because according to Jewish law in Deuteronomy 22, that she could be stoned for adultery. Because that's what this is going to look like to everyone else. Oh, Joseph's not the dad? Okay, Mary, well, then we know how, how this works. We know what happened. And she's going to have to convince everybody, no, it's not what you think. See, at a minimum, she has a huge social battle on her hand. I mean, imagine trying to explain this story to your family, to your neighbors, to your community. Hey, by the way, I'm pregnant, and it's not what you think, and it's God, and it's going to be God. I mean, just imagine being the one to try to explain that story. That's what Mary's going, yep, that's what I choose. I, I choose that situation. And because of Mary's response to this, she's going to take part in one of the most unbelievable stories ever to be told. One of the most unbelievable. Now I say that not saying all of this story is going to be fantastic for Mary. Because if you know the story, there will come a day when she will watch that baby grow into a man and hang from a cross. As the last ounces of life drain out of him. She'll be there staring right at him. This is going to be a very hard story for Mary. And yet she knows, I have the opportunity to experience God. I have an opportunity to, to see God do something with my life that will be unbelievable. And Mary says, I'm in. I want to experience God like that. Now, while the specifics will be different, I'd like to suggest today that this is the same thing God wants to do in your life. God wants to bring before you an adventure of how he could use your story into his story, and you won't be able to explain it. And so you have to decide, can I submit the control to him can I submit my life? Can I, can I just trust him with the future? And if you can, you will experience an unbelievable story. So here's my question for us as we close. What would you do if fear wasn't the barrier in your life? What would you do? If you were somehow able to look fear in the face and go, you know what, this is all that is, and I choose not to let my life be determined by my fears, what would you do? If fear wasn't the barrier, would you commit to something or to someone? Say, hey, I'm not afraid anymore. I make this commitment to you. Would you start something new? Hey, I've always thought about this. I always wanted to, but just too afraid. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start something new. Would you give more generously? Because you wouldn't be afraid of what if. What if I gave too much and I hadn't eaten? No. I'm just going to give generously because... 
I'm not afraid anymore. Would you take a risk? You've always thought about it and you've entertained the thought, but it's just been too scary for you. What would you do if fear wasn't the barrier in your life? Living beyond fear is a supernatural result, not of having control, but of trusting the one in control. Well, if you would, as we close, I want to invite you to stand up now. I'm going to close us uh, in our time today in prayer. And as you are standing and as we get ready to close, here's what I'm going to ask. Uh, like we do each and every week, we're going to have prayer partners down front at the end of the service. And some of you, uh, you came in today and it's been a hard week. And it's been a long week. And you're, you're coming in carrying some stuff. And I'm going to invite you, as everyone else heads out that way, why don't you come forward? Just say, hey, I just need to spend some time praying with someone over what's going on in my life right now. Or maybe for you, you're, you're wrestling to, to Mary's story and you're going, wow, I, I have sensed God asking me to do something and I've been too afraid to do it. Maybe you just need to come forward and say, hey, would you pray with me? This is what I think God is telling me and I'm not really sure what to do about it. So each and every week we have our prayer partners down front at the end of the service. We can't think of a better way to close out our gathering as the church than to say, hey, let's pray together when God is moving in your life and you are sensing him to give space for that. And so I'm gonna close this all in prayer and then we'll be dismissed. But if that's you, I just wanna encourage you, hey, just come forward at the end of this and spend some time praying with us. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, we are in awe of this story that you would become one of us and not just come even as an adult, but you would come as a little baby. And while we will not ever fully be able to explain that, we also know that that what Mary did was remarkable. That as an ordinary person, to, to see this situation, this opportunity in front of her, and to see something that is so far beyond what she could explain or what she could control, and to not let fear be the barrier in her life. God, we are in awe of that, and we desire the same thing in our lives today. We desire that we could follow you without the blinders of fear, to look at those things that exceed our explanation and to give up our need for control and instead trust you to move forward and, and lean into what you want to do. God, I thank you for this Christmas story. And I also thank you the fact that it's still going. The same baby that Mary was learning about is still alive today and is at work. And God, we want to partner with you. We want to be a church that is ready to move as you invite us. God, would you teach us to move beyond fear? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great week.